One of life's greatest questions is, what happens to us after we die? Is death the end or a new beginning? Welcome to the Round Trip Death Podcast. In this show, we listen to first-hand accounts of people who have gone beyond the veil and return to talk about it. We have with us today, Tina and Jelly. Welcome to the show, Tina. Oh, thank you for having me. Tina, you are just a sweetheart, and I can't wait for everybody to get to know you a little bit better. Are you from Italy? Yes, I was born in Italy. I came to this country when I was 14 years old. So you have just a teeny hint of an accent still in there. I love it. Yeah. And what does Angeli mean? Angeli means angels in Italian. Is that just a coincidence, or did your family seek that out somehow? I actually chose it after I got divorced. Oh, I like that. Okay. Before we talk about your near-death experiences, can you give us a little bit about you so our listeners can get to know you some? Okay, so I live in Granby, Connecticut, on a piece of property with the largest private labyrinth in Connecticut, which I created uh, about 18 years ago. And uh, it's open to the public, so uh, people come and visit, and the energy is very powerful there. Now, I have a friend that also made a labyrinth in their backyard, and it seems quite large. How big is yours? Mine is 84, 84 feet. It takes a quarter of an acre of land. Yeah, that's large. Mm -hmm. So if I were to walk the whole thing, how far would that be? It would be a couple of, a, a couple of miles, I, I think. My husband is an engineer, so... He figured that one out. <laughs> For those that aren't familiar with a labyrinth, tell them what it is and what its purpose is. It's basically, in a nutshell, it's a walking prayer meditation tool. And it's an ancient. It's so, uh, I, I believe the first one they were saying that it was built like 4,000 years ago. And uh, now it's coming back. So a lot of places like uh, hospitals and centers uh, build them. That's interesting. Okay, so what do you do there in Connecticut? I, uh, I took early retirement a few years ago, and that's when I, I began to do my real work. I started uh, to do meditation channel groups here out of my home. And I have events in, uh, on my property as well, like drumming circles and things like that. And you have a support group at the hospital too, don't you? Oh, yes. The Yukon Health Center in Farmington, Connecticut, uh, that's where it began, the, uh, so the near-death experience support group. But now, because of COVID, it's, uh, it's only online. And we have a website for that, which is... Uh, uh, nbect.org so anybody can attend it's always the second monday of every month in this realm where we're talking about near-death experiences there are there have become a few different colloquial kind of things um, ndes for near-death experience obes for out-of-body experience and some others would you mind going way back and tell us what happened to you as a small child and how it maybe fits into that? Yes. I, uh, when I was two years old, my one-year-old 
sister died of a childhood disease. And my parents uh, were so involved in their grief that I was, I felt abandoned, emotionally abandoned. And a few other things which uh, I described in my book, more details. But basically what happened was I, right after my sister died, every night before I went to sleep, this beautiful lady would show up and she would float around the room and just be with me until I fell asleep. And I learned later that when situations such as this or others, uh, examples as well, it's because it, what IENS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies, considers these uh, experiences as life-transforming events. But I didn't know it then. I, thought, I just thought that everybody saw floating ladies around them <laughs> and stay with them until they were fall asleep. And sometimes she would hide behind a piece of furniture and play peekaboo with me. I looked forward to that every night. And that lasted until you were how old? When I was eight years old, which I learned much later that at the age of eight, that's when the eagle comes into the physical body. And that's when you start asking questions or, or doubting things. And I felt that this was something that other people did not do, and I didn't want to be different. So I said, okay, I don't want to deal with this right now. Automatically, no more visits. Until about 27 years ago, when the same angel came over my garage at night and uh, gave me the message that she was the same one that used to come and visit me as a child in Italy. And the message for me at that time was that I needed to just accept my gift, uh, the gift of uh, being able to give messages to people. I didn't at, the uh, at that time because I felt like, oh my God, where is this coming from? I didn't have anyone to talk to at the time. And, and so when she came over the garage, which by, by the way, the, uh, the, I, I uh, hired a very uh, gifted artist who made the cover page of the book. And it is the, uh, the angel that I saw over the garage. And, um, she told me what her name was. Her name is Naomi, and she was the same one that I used to see as a child. And she told me that it was important for me to just accept my gift because the information would be coming through me, not from me. I was just an instrument. And it was a very pivotal time for me to finally accept that. Yeah, that's interesting. Some people that I've have talked to that have had experiences not exactly like that but with some kind of angel have often found out some sort of a relation um you know deep family friend something that was that angel have you had any experience like that do you know who naomi is to you well i was told that naomi uh she and i knew have known each other since before we came on the earth and that was part of the contract for her to be of service to me as I, uh, as I grew up. 
she's still with me all the time. As a matter of fact, when people <laughs> when people come to walk the labyrinth, it's it's the strangest thing, but they forget to leave. Hours go by and they just roam around and they feel the energy there. Well, maybe someday you'll get to return the favor for Naomi. What do you think? Well, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a near-death experience. What led up to your drowning? Uh, some friends of ours and their children asked us to go with them at this uh, lake. And it was a man-made lake. Uh, the kids were having such a great time. My children were were only, oh my goodness, uh, I was in my 20s, so my kids might, uh, might have been six, seven, and there's a three-year difference, and so three or four. So they were in, in the... Uh, in the water, just enjoying themselves. And I was being very careful and watching them. And I went in, because I never learned to swim. So I went in knee deep into the water. And I tripped on a rock. And I went down. I fell, I fell in. And the harder I would try to come up, the deeper I, I would, I would uh, go. And all of a sudden, it, and it was starting to hurt because it, I was swallowing water, and my chest hurt immensely. And all of a sudden, I heard this this click, like somebody snapping their fingers, and suddenly, no more pain. I was just floating in there, no pain. And I, I started to see this incredible, it was like a slideshow. It was like above my head, but I could see it very clearly. And these slideshows were events that have happen, had happened to me up until that day. But some of them that I didn't recognize, I would say, what is that? Of course, uh, telepathically. And another snap again, and they would give me the clarity that those events that I did not recognize were past lives. And the theme was all about my husband at the time, who had started to become abusive. And so when I started to see the, the slideshow and it showed my life in the future, and I knew instinctively that was also my life in the future and how things were going to get a lot tougher for me, he was going to become even worse at abuse. And it felt like I had a choice. I could either get out of it or just continue to stay there. But one thing that had happened, and I remember very clearly, I was very focused on, on doing this, on, on getting out of the, uh, the abusive marriage also for the sake of my children. I didn't want my girls to think that that's the way uh, a man is supposed to treat a, a woman, right? And so... Suddenly, I felt myself being pulled from the water, and it wasn't my husband that did that. It was my friend, Emma, who was there and saw me. Apparently, she saw me that I was struggling. She knew that I couldn't, I couldn't swim, so she came and pulled me. And I felt, of course, it hurt because I was, uh, you know, was coughing up water and the kids were, were crying and all that. Um, but I also felt like, I had gained this incredible strength by having this. And I am considered that type of uh, 
near-death experience, uh, a life review. Have you ever heard of a life review? Yeah, yeah, we talk about that a lot, where people people remember, usually actually see, almost like a movie, events that happened during their life. Yes, and mine went all the way back to previous lifetimes that I had been with him in other other lifetimes, and he also... It was a theme for for him. I had died on his hands in previous lifetimes. And who's the he? My ex, my now ex husband. Okay. You also. I would love to ask you some questions about this because I have a feeling there's more to it than this. Just this little brief snippet that we've heard now. You also mentioned that they communicated telepathically to you. Can you tell me who the they are? I didn't see or hear anybody, but I knew that I was not alone. There was I it was like I was wrapped with this most incredible loving energy that was so protective. And as I was being given the information again telepathically, I just knew that I, I was safe somehow. And I take it that there were guides, angels, whoever was there to protect me because it wasn't it wasn't my time to, to go. Okay. Tell us about this loving energy. What does it feel like? It feels like the most incredible warm embrace that cannot really be described in words. But it's the most amazing incredible embrace that you could possibly ever have by any human being. That's a great description. Very emotional. <laughs> it, it reminds me of another guest that we've had on our show that said it felt like a hug from a thousand grandmas all at one time. That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, besides your life review and seeing things that had happened to you, do you remember seeing or experiencing anything else? The thing that stands out is that snap. I would hear every time I had kind of like confusion uh, feelings in me, I would hear the snap and the the answer would come to me, the clarity of what was being shown. So you didn't have one of those experiences where it's going down a tunnel seeing a light at the end, all that kind of stuff. Some people do, some people don't. And some people have a different experience coming back into their body. Do you remember what that was like at all? Well, after I finally was able to cough up the water that I had in, in my, on my chest and, and uh, I, the, the pain started to go away, it just felt like I was so... There was an incredible focus with me that I needed to I needed to get out of this situation. And I was also, also very protective of my, my two daughters. I wanted them to not experience that kind of experience from a man when they got older. So what was the main message you came back with? Well, <laughs> the main message is that uh, I did not. I was not a victim. I did not have to stay in a in that type of uh, relationship. And also, 
that extra strength that I was given through this experience, it's, it's hard to even describe. These experiences don't happen just willy-nilly. Uh, there, there seems to be, excuse me, there seems to be something always to be learned or something in life to be changed from it. So mostly for you, this was something to protect you and your children, right? To break the pattern of abuse, basically, from numerous lifetimes. Right, okay. Now, I know you've self-published a book called We Are Angels. What does that mean? Where did that come from? <laughs> now, it's funny because uh, I, I knew I uh, the nudge was I needed to write this book, and I was very frustrated because I, you know, English is my second language. I had never written a book before, and how was I supposed to do this? But So I started to put stories together, and when I started to write, the book I hadn't even had my third my you know the last uh, near-death experience uh, yet but so one day I was um, with my granddaughter my oldest granddaughter Olivia we were making uh, cupcakes and I said Olivia did I tell you that Mimi's writing a book I says no Mimi you didn't are you going to have a chapter on angels? Because she and I had been talking about the angels and stuff. And uh, I said, well, I'm sure there'll be a lot about angels. And she says, what is the title? I said, I have no idea. Why don't you ask them? And she put her little chin against my the shoulder and goes, <laughs> and then she says, oh, uh, we are angels. I said, is that the title of the book? And she said, Yes, Mimi, that's what they said. So I kind of, you know, brushed it aside for a bit, thinking I was, you know, a four-year-old child. But then I started to uh, research and see if there a, a book with that title existed. No, there are all kinds of books set on angels, but not that with that title. As a matter of fact, I was even able to uh, claim my website with the, with the same title. So weareangels.net. Yes, that's my website. Okay. So what does that mean, we are angels? Just that. We are all angels. We come on the earth to do our, to play our, our dramas based on, on the contracts that we write with each other, and then we go back home. Okay, and you just mentioned a third experience. Mm. I don't think I've heard about this one. Yes, on January 5th, uh, 2012, I had a car crash, not far from my home, basically. I got hit by an SUV on the driver's side as I turned the corner. The young woman wasn't, wasn't watching. She was talking to the guy in, uh, sitting on, in our car. And I have a small car, which got totaled. My car got uh, spin, spinned until it stopped on the side of the road. And as that was happening, I heard a, like a suction, like <laughs> something was being suctioned out of my physical body. And it was my soul, which ended up, oh, it's, um, I call it a room. But it didn't have any any walls. It was all this incredible 
pulsating, loving white light. And in this area was a table, a curved table, a very ornate table. It was like a half a moon shape. And on the other side of this table were nine entities. What kind of entities? Give me a description. Okay, they were wearing brown capes. Their face did not have, I couldn't see uh, eyes or mouth or nose. It was just this white light. And I knew instinctively that the reason why the, these entities were wearing capes was for my purpose. They wanted me to know how many there were, nine. Okay, and what was their purpose? What did they do? They were just standing there. I felt instinctively I knew that the one in the middle was the one that made the decisions. I knew instinctively. And the other eight, they were just there emanating this most incredible loving energy toward me. I, I remember, this is all, you know, telepathically saying, no, I'm not ready to go yet. I have so many things to do still on the earth. I was very emotional about it. Suddenly, again, the suction, I ended up back in my body. And I saw the, the same people that I saw from above, you know, some of them were cl coming closer to the car. Some were just curious. Some didn't, didn't know what to say. And while I was still up there, I could actually read their minds. I could, I could tell whether those, uh, those that were just curious or those that were actually very caring people. Uh, then somebody uh, came over and says, can you get out of the car? Because they were afraid that my car was going to explode. And so I said, I, I don't know. I, my car, my side, the side of uh, uh, the driver's side was caved in against me. The, um, the airbag had exploded and it was this awful, awful uh, odor. So somehow I managed to get out from the other side of the car. And then the two people that were waiting for me, because they felt that they couldn't help me get out. I had to do it on my own. And, and so then they, they kind of helped me by my arms. I was very, very weak. But I, I didn't feel anything at that point. I didn't feel any pain until I was taken to the hospital. And that's when the pain started. And uh, they started to give me some uh, medication. And they, they took me to take, um, not x-rays, but uh, some other form of finding out whether I, I had no broken bones. That's why that chapter in my book is called The Miracle Car Crash, because it, my car got totaled, but I didn't have any broken bones. I had black and blue marks all over the place, and my, the left side of my head, I had a, there was a little blood coming out of there, but apparently there was no deep damage. I want to hear more about these nine entities, as you call them. Would you call them angels? Would you call them something else? You know, it was the strangest thing because I didn't know who they were. I had never, I never remember seeing them before. And so I, um, I started to say, oh, gee, who are they? Who are they? And I, I didn't, I didn't get any answers. Then I went for um, um, a, a session. I got hypnotized. 
I got hypnotized and they, I was taken back to the day of the accident. And so automatically I was back there communicating with them again. And uh, I remember more details then through this uh, hypnotism uh, session. And I remember that they were saying, they said that more than once. They said, enjoy every breath that you take. But they never told me who they were. Just when, uh, when you give messages to people, don't, don't worry about what they're thinking. Just, just use yourself as an instrument and give it as you receive it, dear one. Just enjoy every breath you take. And it's, interestingly enough, uh, lately I've been using those words, enjoy every breath you take. When I see turmoil on Facebook, for example, I post those words in there and it's like automatically people don't know how to respond, but things get calm. I feel the energy getting calm. But going back to that, so, uh, so I had more information um, and I could feel the, the sensation of how loving they were but I still didn't know who they were. So one day I was, uh, I was sitting on my, uh, my desk and cause I had a hard time to write this book. It took me 10 years. So I'm, I'm trying to write more on the book. And all of a sudden my, my, my husband was at work. All of a sudden I felt that these nine entities were coming into, into the room. And so I just, stopped where I was doing and I I looked around and I, I didn't see them but I could hear them and all I heard was your book is gonna be very helpful to people that are considering suicide. Boom, they were gone. Again, didn't know who they were. And here I am frustrated saying, oh my God, I can't even write anymore and they're telling me that it's gonna be so important. Now I'm not gonna do this. As soon as my ex-husband died, I couldn't stop writing. I was writing day and night. Most of the book was written uh, just a few months before it was actually published. So finally finished it. And before I actually published it, I said, I know that people are going to ask me who these nine entities are. Who are they? I received a message. They told me that we are the lords of karma. And actually in my book, I, I wrote down uh, the explanation uh, as far as who they are, as best as I could. But basically the lords of karma are space travelers, not angels, space travelers that are, are helping those of us who are have committed through a contract, have committed to be present and to be helpful, that is their function. Because, see, that's one thing that people don't seem to understand is that there are all kinds of entities out there. Some are angels, some are, you know, loved ones that have crossed over. The body is shedded, but the soul always remains and sometimes comes back, sometimes not. But there are also entities that are of other races, extraterrestrials that have a certain function 
And these uh, lords of karma have the, the function very well defined for themselves. They help those of us that have uh, committed to do this type of work to helping people in um, releasing fear, basically. Because these changes that are coming up are, are going to be very scary for some people. Can you tell us anything about the changes that you're referring to? The earth changes. The veil of consciousness is becoming thinner and thinner as we proceed. Meaning that we'll be more on the other side than on this side. And the, the idea of time is going to be very challenging because there is no time on the other side. We need time on earth for appointments and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but not on the other side. So um, things are going to be different insofar as um, our bodies are going to be lighter. We are going to be a lot different than we are now. The density of the earth experience is going to disappear. I wish I could explain it better than that. <laughs> That's okay. And I know there's a couple of quotes from your book uh, sort of on this topic and the Lords of Karma that you're going to send will include in the show notes. I appreciate that. Just a couple of things before I let you go. You mentioned that the book may help some people contemplating suicide. What is the message for people in that situation? Basically, it's all about that we all choose to come on the earth at different times, okay? Uh, we choose uh, when to come. We choose who we're going to have a relationship with. Of course, they have to agree to that. We're not victims. Everything happens for a reason. Okay. There's a lot of people in the world that are afraid of death. Are you afraid of death? That is one of the themes that I... Uh, I've noticed uh, even with other uh, people that I've met because I, I facilitate the group at, at Yukon Health Center, of course, now it's online. And so uh, when I interview people to be a, a, a meeting or a support group meeting, uh, they, they say, which I agree for myself, there's no longer fear of death. And they, these are people that have been through similar experiences, had NDEs, other things like that. I look for people that have had experience, and then I ask them uh, if they would like to be on our, um, you know, speak for our group. And of course, that through then we, we uh, the videotape, uh, we put it on our website, so it's viewed by, by many. So that's a commonality among people with these experiences, is they lose their fear of death. Can you name one or two of the other commonalities? One is that uh, a lot of uh, us uh, no longer, uh, we become aware that truly there is no religion on the other side. So lots of people let go of any kind of uh, attachment to religions that they might have had prior to that. You talked about loving energy. Are other people experiencing that as well? Yes, it's it's this... Uh, energy that is so it's so loving and it's like the, with no judgment there is no judgment it's a unconditional love and i also learned that we when we cross over 
we do when we do our life review, we're the ones who judge ourselves. Yeah. I was wondering if the nine entities you were talking about were judging you, and that's that's good to know that they're not. No. That it's no. more of us judging ourselves. How do we overcome those things? When we judge ourselves as done some negative things, how do we get past that? Well, it's it's very interesting we, because we actually feel what pain we might have inflicted on others just for the understanding of what it feels like. And, um, and the reason why we judge ourselves is so we can then decide how to do it differently should we decide to come back again. Okay. Any last great uplifting thoughts for everybody to lighten their day today? My, my guides tell me this all the time. Kiss, 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 sweet one. Keep it simple, sweetie. That's what I mean by kiss, kiss. And it's important to always find humor in literally everything, not to take much too seriously, because the earth experience is all an illusion. Hey, now, when I was in college, I was taught that kiss meant keep it simple, stupid. Not according to them. They changed the keep it simple, sweetie. <laughs> I like that much better. Hey, thanks a lot, Tina, for being on the show today. Welcome, Eric. Thank you for having me. If you have had a round-trip death experience, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you have found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend, hit that follow button, and take a few seconds to write us a review. Until next time, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. Thank you.